It's Thursday, March 9th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 435 of Through the Boot, the show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 52 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. Alrighty. Uh, no announcements, no funny business. Straight into it. Wayne or Chad, which one of you is doing this? You are. I was like, Chad, uh, I, it, Chad. you are. Because I didn't listen to the original episode. I don't know what you guys talked about. We talked about how horrible Wayne was. Right. Like, just just a, a terrible human being. So yeah, you're like truth, everybody is, else I've ever met. This is an intervention. <laughs> it's really about you. Was it last episode? From the listener's perspective, was it last episode? No, it'd be two episodes. Two? Well, I don't know. It's something. It's the episode that just dropped most recently. Okay, where so we, where we talked so about body the, parts as a, a, a tradable commodity. Okay, so I got really pissed at you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. She was like, Dodd listens to the podcast? Only when I tell her that we talk about our game or something. Oh, ah, nice. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. But the, the point being, though, that from a listener's perspective, that was now two episodes back. Two episodes <laughs> back when we talked about your lovely wife's character. And you didn't listen to the episode, but that's okay. Not yet. I will, but I haven't. Yeah. I didn't listen to it either. So, <laughs> it's all good. Wait, what did we talk about in the episode that we recorded last week? I have no idea. We talked about predictions for the future of gaming. Really? Got it. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, now all is right with my brain. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now you have the timeline. So anyway, we talked about how Dawn and I made an observation about Sarah's character, about how, you know, in our Dresden game, Dresden, she has no problems. Yeah. She's, she's, a, she's a perfectly self-actualized character. No, this doesn't mean she's powerful. Right, right, right. She, but uh, it's, it's, she has no problem. To, to very quickly reiterate, yeah. for anyone that either doesn't remember or has joined us for the first time, in a Dresden like game Wayne. that what Wayne <laughs> yeah. is running and Chad is playing in, there is another player, which is Wayne's wife, and Wayne's wife, Sarah, is playing a character, and we're not talking about stats. This is not yeah. about min-maxing. But from a standpoint of personality and character background, she is perfectly self-actualized, has no insufficiencies, no need for other people. And one of the things that we talked about in that episode was the sorts of social bonds and social interactions that build around insufficiency. In fact, it is a necessary fabric of human social organization. If you want to hear this in detail, go back two episodes and hear the whole thing. So with that brought up to speed. So I hadn't listened to the episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm going through the thread on the forums, and I see the conversation come up. And just for the timeline, the game that we played that spawned the episode, after that, Wayne sees this forum discussion because we skip a week on our gaming, and then so Wayne kind of catches up to it, and then we go into our game. So I'm going through the forum discussion, and I see what's said about it. There are a couple things that jump out at me. One of them is the description of the character as having no issues. Mm -hmm. I know this character mechanically. Yeah. I know looking through, it is a, it was just, I can't remember how it was described in the thread, but the character as written is Mm -hmm. a deep character with buttons to be pushed, with all kinds of trauma in the background, all of this. Mm -hmm. My problem up to that point, and I replied to this in the thread, is her as a player i just could not get her buy-in any teeth to it things that should have bothered her character didn't like an example and this is not an actual example this is just me pulling something out of my ass is that she runs a detective agency 
that specializes in finding and helping missing or exploited children. And so if she were to be, say, faced with a case about a missing or exploited kid and she can't make it and the kid doesn't make it, oh, well, guess that kid shouldn't have gone out at night and run away from home. Guess I'll go back to my detective agency. Ha, ha, ha. And, you know, whereas a person would be devastated by that. Right. So, and then as I'm reading more, I see... There are some assumptions made, mm-hmm. reasonably so, based on people right. not knowing the whole situation. One of the assumptions is, you know, she just is having everything handed to her because she's sleeping with the GM. I've been buried for 11 years. That's a huge assumption that there's <laughs> any of that going on. But no, I would never do that. She probably right. had more things thrown against her yeah. than because of that, because I don't do favoritism. So no, that was never the case. It was just the negative things I threw at her, she wasn't caring. I couldn't find, I just couldn't get it. Yeah. Whereas so, all the other players, you are able to press their buttons and get the buy-in needed to yeah. have them. It, real quick question. I don't want a huge tangent here, but is this an issue, well, quote-unquote issue, right? I guess it's not a problem, but is this a truth in most games she plays in, or is this just unique to the Dresden game? I haven't seen anything like this in the other games. It's only been this character in okay. Dresden. I... Is there a respectfully but, disagree which well, is and that's the thing is i yeah. i you don't know all the games it. right yeah okay well wayne let me let me for a moment we're gonna run with your take on it is this some kind of touchy thing with kids where to admit it's bothering the character would be to accept on some level it's bothering her and maybe she made a character that has buttons that shouldn't I, be pressed for the player i think she just wants to have fun right Okay. And the idea... Life of, is hard. Why would you play a character whose life is hard? Well, gaming yeah. is not supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's deadly yeah. serious. It's deadly and serious. I really think that gets to the root of it. It's yeah. the idea of a serious character, even though this is written as a very serious oh, character. Oh, absolutely. The way she plays it, this mm-hmm. person would not function in society. And because she's wanting to be a fun character. Right. So as I'm reading through all that, I'm realizing, oh, okay... Mm-hmm. People are talking about this. Let yeah. me, you know, let me put some thought towards it. I had had a couple of cliffhangers already set up for the characters. Oh, where son I, of a bitch. I knew I was going to twist the hearts of the characters I, and the players. Yeah. I knew that Dawn would call me a dick at least five times during <laughs> the course of the night. Uh, and she did. Oh, yeah. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, okay, what does Sarah actually seem to care about in game? Let's not look at the character sheet. Let's not look at what her character mm-hmm. actually should care about. What have I noticed that she actually really? All right, cares now there's about an interesting here. piece of advice: is if you That's want a great to, piece of advice. yeah, if you want to make an end run on this, and if that's appropriate, once again, every group's different. Know your players, blah blah blah. But if you choose to make an end run on this, to look at not what the player has told you the character is caring about. Yep. But instead to look at what the player is actually responding to, which may or may not be the same thing as what the character is responding to. This is a really absurd example. So if anyone remembers The Chappelle Show, there was a character on there that was played by comedian Paul Mooney. And and I can't actually repeat the character's name on on the podcast, but he was this fortune-telling Nostradamus-type character. And one of the questions he was asked is, why do white people like Wayne Brady? Mm. And his response was, 
white people like Wayne Brady because he makes Brant Gumble look like Malcolm X. <laughs> and so as a joke, they did a follow-up to that where they had Wayne Brady on. Now, Wayne Brady, if you know anything about him, he's a real class act of a guy. It was real compassionate, very decent, very upstanding human being. And they wanted him to come on the show and play this completely antithetical character that the real Wayne Brady, quote unquote, for the sake of the skit, is that he's not the nice guy and the showman that he is, once again, quote unquote, pretending to be on TV. He's actually this hardcore heartless gangster and he's just this terrible person and there's a scene in there where wayne brady is going up to his stable of prostitutes <laughs> and trying to get a cut of their money and at one point i'd like to correct you that's wayne brady's money <laughs> at one point he asks one of these women for money and she doesn't have very much. She's not earned very much for him within the context of the skit. And so Wayne Brady gives this hilarious phrase, just the delivery on it is, is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? Is Wayne Brady? What's funny, though? Okay, where this is relevant. Is <laughs> that what we're wondering. talking about? Is, I mean, I don't know. Uh, well, apparently we're talking about the funniest skit on Chappelle's show. Right. It, it is one of my favorites. It is. Yeah. It's really good. But... It's incredibly offensive, like everything on the Chappelle show, but it is really funny. But behind the scenes, okay, they actually had a thing on the making of that clip. And the reality is that Wayne Brady really is a lot closer to the person that people think he is. You know, he's not this heartless monster. And when they got to filming that scene, he couldn't do the lines at first. Like he was like, the lines were too mean. Yeah. They were too mean. He's like, I I don't know that I'm I'm not going to call this fine woman, the B word. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, (laughs) like, I I don't know that I feel comfortable using this amount of verbal violence against uh, uh, this, this actress. And, and and so he's really, really uncomfortable. And Dave Chappelle and the other people that were involved in making the show really had the kind of, work him into the scene mm-hmm. to get him to deliver that line. Be- so, so basically Wayne Brady is this really great person who made a role-playing game character who is all hard and yeah. street. He can't play it. Right. Well, exactly. Yeah. And what is upsetting the player or catching the attention of the player, which would be the real Wayne Brady yeah. is not the same thing as what should be catching the attention of the character Wayne Brady. Right. The character Wayne Brady is supposed to be upset that his prostitutes don't have his money. Right. The real Wayne Brady is upset that How can we treat women like exactly. this? Exactly. <laughs> he's upset that he's being asked to say these yeah. horrible things to this actress. And so, Wayne, it, that's, I mean, as crazy as it is, I was actually just talking on Twitter today to somebody who like me, has these weird mental boomerangs to get to neighboring points where you have to go through about six states and back to reach next door. But that's kind of what came to my mind of go past what's affecting the character, and maybe you need to look at what instead would actually catch the interest of or affect the player, which in this case isn't Wayne Brady, as cool as that would be. It's Sarah. Awesome. But so what did you find that's affecting Sarah, but isn't affecting what is her character's name? Her character's Sin. Sin. Okay. Sin, like Cynthia. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So she has an NPC. I guess that's the name of her game. 
It was a Molly Crew reference. Continue. Ah, okay. So she has an NPC. This NPC came from a previous arc and is her character's boyfriend. She seems to really care about this. Not just this boyfriend, fiance. Well, almost. Yeah. Yeah. So she seems to really care about this NPC. This NPC is also, he came from a previous arc. He is fairly powerful, mm-hmm. a useful resource for the entire group. And so I created a situation in game where the I used a missing child. Okay. Brought the use that as her case. Mm-hmm. She calls in best character because you know you got a knight of the cross. You're going to bring her along to go fight vampires to save you know, sure. the kid. Sure. And I knew when I going in, it's like I'm not going to kill a child. Not in front of everyone at the table. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Right. So I brought in another character, an NPC that has been basically being a vigilante that the a couple of the people at the table have connections to. Mm-hmm. This character has basically sacrificed himself to save this child. So the child's going to be alive. This character's dying. And this character is a white court vampire who can feed on lust. White court vampires can't feed on a character that is in love. So I create this situation with her and the NPC of this. Because there, there's only three characters there. Yep. There's her fiance boyfriend who is in love with her. Yep. And he tells her that. And there is Beth's character. Beth's character cannot she's help a, him because she's, she's not the cross. Yeah, she she's is too, protected. She's, she's protected. She is holy. She's going to melt him if she touches him, more or less. So it's down to Sarah's character. She either saves this NPC, but admits that she doesn't have the same kind of love for her elf boyfriend, or lets the NPC die. I gave her this, basically the situation where whatever choice she makes, she is going to have it be impacted. And she chose to save the life of the NPC, I don't think she expected me to follow that well, through. What was amazing is that, you know, this this NPC swept in, saved the kids, all these horrible red court vampires yep. were attacking him, but the sun came up and he fought him off and stuff happened. He's there dying, needs to be literally kissed, although Pat and I made a lot of other kind of jokes, and, of you know, some form of lust just to feed him a little bit so he doesn't die. And her boyfriend, who is in the know, and he has all this lore. That, that was my question: yes. was that does oh, he yeah. understand? Yes, that he, he was a former changeling that has chosen human, okay. and he knows better than the other players at the table. He knows better than than the Knight of the Cross, Beth's character, and he knows better than Sin because she's pure human and she's only kind of dipping a toe into yeah. these waters. And he explains to her and. He doesn't just explain to her, it's like, oh, well, you have to make this choice and blah, blah, blah. Do you really? No, he's like, well, damn it. I don't know what we're going to do. We got to save this guy. But, you know, we can't have Sam, Beth's character, kiss him because he, he she'll kill him. Yep. And Which she I, forgot and, and tried. we and can't and help yes, him because we're in love. We're in love, right? And, we, and he doesn't even say we're in love. And we, I can't kiss him. I mean, it's and, obvious. Yeah, yeah, we can't and, help. We can't help. Right. And this is, this is terrible. And she's like, Wayne perfectly walks her through the logic without being logical about it, but through the voice of this guy who's like, we can't help him because we're in love and that's just not going to work. And Sin's reaction, Sarah's reaction, who plays this ha-ha, laissez-faire sort of person who whose character, character is not like that, is like, oh, is that all? walks into the other room, literally says that in character to him. Oh, is that all? Is that the problem? Walks into the other room and gives the guy a kiss. And then Wayne asks the, asks the question, okay, 
This is an important question, Sarah. You have to answer this as honestly as you can. Her boyfriend's name is Quentin. Does Sin love Quentin? Her answer was, I don't know. And my response watching all this was, if you don't know, the answer is no. Right. And Wayne's like, that's what we're going with. The NPC stands and watches it happen. Doesn't say a word to her. Walks outside with the child. Sets the child down. Drops something from his pocket and leaves. They find a ring box that has an engagement oh, ring. Oh, wait. Because I've got to twist the knife. amazing. Wait. Yeah. So as this, as this progresses, her character is finally is finally starting to be affected by it. So then she goes back to work. It's, yeah. it's amazing. She goes back to work where she works with him. And she's confronted by another NPC that says, what did you do to him? He just emptied out his desk. Didn't say a word. What's going on? And for the first time, it Damn, really impacted Wayne. the character. <laughs> I know, right? That the, is some cold... The char- <laughs> At this point, oh, it gets better. Pat and I stopped making sex jokes about the white court yeah. vampire. Because I've got her. standing there slack-jawed. Yeah, I know I've got her. And- oh my gosh, it's too bad it hasn't arrived. It's probably going to show up tomorrow. But the next statue I'm adding to my collection is one of Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I, I wish he was here right now because he'd have some things to say. Yeah. So her character puts a sign up say, on the business saying, closed indefinitely due to loss, starts drinking, puts the ring on while sitting there drinking. And then I have, I have Beth's character. She decides... My, my water's getting a little warm. Can you touch <laughs> this glass? Beth's character decides... This is a valuable resource. We need to yes. keep him around. So she meets him for drinks and they have a conversation. Yeah. And then and Beth's character. So th- this encapsulates it perfectly. Yeah. Beth's character, Sam in is supposed to be really close friends with Sarah's character. Sin. Yeah. So what should happen is Beth goes and talks and comforts Sam, except Sam has no connection with any of the other players of the group because, again, like Sin Sin has no other connection with other players of the group because, like in the last episode, we have bonded over our problems. We are the dysfunctional family that comes together except for her. Well, let's because there's a little bit more to the story. Oh, okay. Finish your story, and then I got some commentary. Okay. So we managed through some uh, some texting in game for her to realize that Sin is for best character Sam. To realize that Sin is drunk at work. So she goes and picks her up. And this is where we finally start to get character bonding. Mm-hmm. Is she sees, you know, she sees the state she's in. She brings her over to one of the other characters' house. Everyone else sees the state that yeah. she's in and is trying to help. And it's finally bringing the character in to interact with some of these other characters. And the NPC isn't gone. The NPC is still in town. They still have access to it. He just won't answer her calls. And he told her he'll call her in a week once he's thought about things. So I still have him out there as a usable tool. (laughs) But now I've got the character finally has had her serious moment, her turning Mm -hmm. point, her interaction with the other characters to show that she needs other people. Because she's been relying on this NPC like it was another player. Has power, Mm -hmm. so we could do them some of the magic stuff. She didn't need to call... Dawn's character to do a tracking spell because she has right. an NPC that can do it. She doesn't. She doesn't. Now she's effectively on her own. And she came to the dysfunctional family that is the rest of the group. Yep. Now we just need her to keep the momentum going because yeah. Sarah's problem with role playing is that, okay, problem is too strong. It's not yep. a problem. It's her play style, right? It's how she has fun and it's fine. 
is that her character is never the problem. Like if her character does something wild and crazy and kind of screws up the situation, well, that's fun. It's fun to play in a yeah. situation that's screwed up. Like loads her firearm in the middle of Kirkwood Park. Right, right. And it's the police are called and all of our care, Mike, they start arguing and Russ is like, like we got to go. The practical guy yeah. is like, we're leaving now. And I'm shoving you know people off and Dawn's character is having a hard time and I kind of shuffle her off. And Sarah's character is like, well, I'm going to burn the evidence and I'm going to do this. And it's like, okay, crazy person, bye. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got two, maybe three minutes. Right. We got to go. And she, the cops come and get her. Well, at the end of the night. I, I actually love the police in the game. Yeah. Because I've used them against her multiple times and she always gives the same attitude and it always works out poorly. Yep. And so at the end of the night, when we finally get her sprung from jail, she's like, well, this is your fault because you left me behind and didn't help me and blah, blah, blah. It's like you discharged your firearm in the middle of the day in a park when you didn't have to. You didn't leave when we told you to. And you called the cops a pig. (laughs) And so but that that's kind of her play. And that that is what I feel sabotages the sort of seriousness and impact. Yeah, Yeah. the, the seriousness and impact and the heart tugging problems that you face a character with is that her issue is that she does not take responsibility for her actions she doesn't feel guilt over them it's always someone else's fault and she she just needs to like kind of own some of her issues and i think this situation and i mean the character not the player i think by this situation it was a choice yeah bad things were going to happen with either choice I gave her Sophie's choice. There was no good answer. Something horrible was going to happen either way. Oh, for both her. answers are great. <laughs> but both answers moved the story along. Yes, they did. And I said, that's what I had to do was actually step back. I've been throwing things at the character on the sheet, and that wasn't working. I needed to throw something at the player. Okay. I needed to take her That right there, the man. If, if I could boil down everything yeah. I've heard to this point into one pithy statement, there it is. You were throwing problems at the character on the sheet, not the character as it was being played, or perhaps more accurately, the point at which the character begins to blur into the player. Yes, people like Pat and I may have thinner lines, Chad may and John may have thicker lines, mm-hmm. but everybody has somewhere, right. some amount of gray space between the player and the character. The character is an emergent part mm-hmm. of the player, and to target that, and one of the things that we have talked about, obviously, a lot in the history of Fear the Boot, is the way that the metagame, the player mentality, the socialization around the table, so on and so forth, the way that it can cause problems. But this is one of the great examples of where it causes opportunity, of if the character is not responding to something then it's time to back off and look at, okay, how do I instead not go directly after the player? Because that's just a new form of metagaming. Right. But instead, I need to figure out what is it that the player cares about within the context of the character. Because if the character is secure and safe in certain things being true then how do you roll those things back, though stressing our, our usual advice of 
don't let everything be a nail to a hammer, I would not use this to a frustrating extent. No. Because I've had GMs where, in my opinion, they were playing the metagame so hard. Right. They were pushing so many buttons, whether they were character sheet buttons or character yeah. personality buttons or metagame buttons, that it was like, okay, this is just, this, this, this a, is inorganic. I this wasn't is getting what I needed out of the character for the story, and I had to do something. And that's where this you came in. You had twisted a bit. Well, here's and, my question. How do you keep the momentum going? How do you keep her from going to this laissez-faire? Like, next week we roll in and she just decides, you know what? I'm better than Quentin is and there's plenty of fish in the sea. Everything is great. You know, how do you, how do you keep that going without pressing the exact same button? I would worry about... The opposite problem, admittedly, is a bystander, mm-hmm. which is how do you keep that character from shutting down? From spiraling, right, right. From shutting down to and, the point, because, I mean, you go from this person has an issue over which we are bonding right. to this person has stopped answering their phone calls and dropped off the face of the yeah, earth. They're role-playing the sad emo drunk yeah. a little too annoying. Yeah, we, we've yeah. gone from a, a personality issue to ennui and... Yeah, this may have... Well, and that's actually something I have to watch a close line with with Dawn's character. Yeah. Because Dawn's character does that. She shuts down. She won't answer the phone. She won't answer messengers that's sent to her. So I have to find ways occasionally to bring her back in. And I think I hit her pretty hard this time, too, to deal with it. It was great. And Dawn is loving it, too. I mean, she role plays really well. And Dawn is... Would you say Dawn is a hard person to read? She kind of holds her cards close to her chest. I'd say she likes to be. Is she actually? I don't know that I'd say she is, but I would say she certainly likes to be. Yeah. But she, I, she holds her cards close to her chest, and I think that she kind of comes off at, she's playing a character who is. But I've also known Dawn for, I mean, I've known her longer than you have. Right, you have. I, so, I mean, I've known her for a long, long time. Absolutely. So. But you. You just totally derailed me. But anyway, <laughs> but you, you're absolutely right. But, right. You, you know what the I'm point, saying But the point that, is, yes, certainly, yeah. if you walk up cold to Dawn, yeah. right? I don't mean cold emotion. I mean, like, right. as in, this is your first meeting, mm-hmm. and you talk to Dawn, yes. Mm-hmm. She, unless you know her and you right. know how to read those she subtle cues. She might come off as an ice queen. She absolutely does come off. Yeah, that she is very, very hard to read once again, a, a, assuming you don't know how right. to yeah. read those little poker gives. Yeah. Then yeah. yes, she is a very hard person oh, to read. She's not able to do that in this game. No. Her character is very emotionally upset. Right. A lot of bad things have happened to her character, and she's really intensely role playing that out. And I just want you to know she's loving the game. She's very happy, even though her character is very grumpy. You're talking knife twisting. Yeah. The last game before this. I had a moment where the everything was about to wrap up with a scene and she was going to get a message from Chad's old character Mm -hmm. who is, they thought was dead and they just found out he's alive and trapped in a statue and he's going to be able to give her one message. So I write on a note card real quick while this is going, I slide it to Chad break her. Yeah. yeah, I told him all it says (laughs) on the sheet is Ward is going to get to tell her one thing, wrench her heart. Yeah. I use the word wrench. Yes. Because yes. I'm like, I could say something, but her husband will know what mm-hmm. hits her harder than I will. Yep. It was great. It was it was awesome scene. 
Yeah, I actually, I was really happy with this last session because there were strong character moments for every character mm-hmm. around the table, with the exception of possibly Pat's, but he wasn't able to be down there with yeah, us the whole time. He had some pee-pee and poopy problems. Yes, but everyone <laughs> else had strong character moments during the course of the session that were almost character-defining. Yes, yes. It was very interesting. Very good, intense session. And to kind of pull it back to Sarah, too. Well, as I also saved something light for the end. Yes. That I could throw, because it's, I knew going in, I have set up three cliffhangers. I'm going intense, and I'm going to twist the knife on each people, each person. I'm not going to do a cliffhanger this time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to save something I've had in the back pocket for a little while that is more humorous and light. I was going to say, and I, think, I bring yeah. that at the end to end it on a positive note. Here's something fun that you guys didn't know that was going on. Boom, here it is. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, man, you. it sounds like in that session, you took a steamroller over the puppies, kittens, and babies <laughs> of everyone at the yep. table. <laughs> and then I gave him a sucker at the end. <laughs> well, I was say, yeah, if, if you didn't... I'd give him a straw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If you didn't give them some kind of an upbeat, if you didn't give them some kind of a victory, some kind of a glimmer of hope, mm-hmm. I think... Well, and that's the interesting thing is, out of all the horrible that was happening... They're getting everything they need for the plot. Yeah. Everything they need for a plan. But yeah, at the end, yeah, they had the, to have fun. There, there's yeah. the human element, though. Yeah. I mean, you, you. And that was the thing I said, I don't want them. You hear this all the time in VH1 behind the music <laughs> or whatever, or in people's biographies where they ostensibly have it all, and yet nothing in there is, is yeah. motivating. Nothing it, in there. No, I didn't want to end on another cliffhanger. I love cliffhangers. Yeah. But. The way I knew the session was going to go, I I had two things I had to get out at the end of it. I wanted to not end on a cliffhanger. I wanted to end a little more organically, and I wanted something upbeat at the end because I knew I was putting them through the ringer. Yeah. I knew how much it was going to hit some of the players at the table, You know, even, even besides the characters, just the players. So I wanted it to end up. Right. And I saved that right for the end. And it, it's great. And the whole game, Dresden in general, and, and our game in particular, is a weird mix of dark, heart-wrenching, terrible stuff. And not, not to a background to make it seem worse, not, not a counterpoint, but an equal amount of just zany, crazy fun. Yep. I took the zany away for most You're of right. the session. So what was your upbeat? So there, he punched us in the face. <laughs> so <laughs> up, there were two lighter. There were two things for the upbeat. Okay, one of Chad's old characters, Coyote, right, has been, and they didn't know where he was. He disappeared. He has been messing with the bad guy, and basically, the reason that they haven't been attacked again or any of that is he's making the enemy's life a living hell because they messed with his pack. Yeah, so. I, he sent them messages and it's all kinds of information. And then we get into basically dark St. Louis. There's something within the game. There is a TV show every Monday night yeah. called dark St. Mm-hmm. Louis that has the inspectors characters in it. And it's where we, I present a lot of really light stuff. Well, I did that. We went through. And, and to be clear, we're talking about the role playing game inspectors, yeah. right. which is a comedy sort of paranormal so, sleuthing exactly. game. Yeah, so, and we have characters, so we have this 
St. Louis that we call Dark St. Louis, not TV show, sort of our world in Dresden, where our characters are, the troll and the Knight of the Cross and the detective and blah, 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 blah. When we, the whole group can't make it or we need a break, we have an inspector's game that's very, very, very silly. Right, right. All comedy. But it takes place in the same city. So there was a, at the end, there was some kind of a... Yeah, so at the end, they have, they're watching the show and they're seeing all of these information Mm -hmm. and they start to see there's graffiti around. And they find out that one of the other things Coyote has been doing Mm -hmm. is he took the enemy's face, tagged it all over the city with a sign that said, the character's name is Mike. Mike is a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And then the goblins who have also now turned against the character, they drew a bunch of little goblins on one of them, all saying things like, yeah, yeah, he is. We agree. (laughs) Because on the other side of the never, never from reality, St. Louis isn't St. Louis. It's Goblin Town. It is a city run by the most. It's like you ever seen the movie Brazil? Oh, yeah. It is bureaucratic focused goblins yep. and that is the king so it's more harry potter goblins yes than, uh, it's definitely well, not really it's definitely not like actual dresden goblins it no. is more it is bureaucratic they have a form for everything and mike rules them i actually justly steal a little bit of vogon for them <laughs> okay <laughs> no that's fair and yeah so they're it's basically they, they manifest in the real world Sort of the uh, the way that we work out the paradox is the DMV. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. So now they don't they're not disobeying any orders that they're given, but nothing is getting done. Right, and it's, so that's how I kind of gave them that big you know last moment. I gave them all the graffiti mm-hmm. and the and that, and I had them you know they have their chance to watch the TV show and yeah, it's really interesting. The it doesn't all the sound tools- like. Yeah, it doesn't really sound like that much of a big pop at the end. Oh, no. But for the characters, it was. We had no hope. We were drowning in our own problems. And then in this session, we worked through our problems. And then all the tools are on the table. Now we just need to pull it together a little bit, realize what we have, and then now we can hurt him. Now we can go kill him and put his head on a pike. And that is... What we but we just kind of need to coalesce, and there's all these different like angles and stuff, all these different plans. It's not like, oh, well, we have a sword, and the sword is the bad guy killing sword. It's just like all these separate pieces of the puzzle that once we put the puzzle pieces together, that's going to be our plan. But we need to get our straight first, and which we did in two episodes ago. We were talking about Dawn's character and about how my character and her character. Shook our hands. We made the devil's bargain. We're not going to talk about feelings and we're going to work together to do this thing. And and that's where you, Brodor, said, that's awesome because nothing is off the table now. And then she encountered her father, which is the, this is the nuclear option. And if I take it, I am the ultimate evil, but it is the I win card. And there was this great scene and... He gave her the notebook that had all the information, and that was the evil thing, and she started reading it. Oh, she hated me so much oh, with yeah. that, because I played that character. He's the type of character that plans things out long term. You're going to do what he wants, but not because that's what he wants. 
you're going to do what he wants because it's going to be in your best interest to do what he wants. Right, because it's what you want. Exactly. That's how I play this character. And that's why she gets so frustrated yeah. with it. Yeah. Wayne, I can tell you watch a lot of the same shows I do. Because <laughs> I know I have a pretty good idea who this character is based on. <laughs> I'm going to shoot in the dark. It's based on uh, the Arrow version of Malcolm Merlin. One of the characters. I say, if that's not an influence, I would be really surprised. One of the influences, the uh, the TV show Reaper. Yeah. If uh, you ever watched that, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy that played the devil in there. Yeah, he was great. He is a huge influence for this character. Andy killed Laura Palmer. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. It, so you were saying she's well, reading and, the book. So she's reading the book, and then, like, her father, well, I didn't quite follow it. He put a mind control spell on the book that forced her to keep reading it without her knowing that she's under this influence and reading the book and absorbing the knowledge. I did a lot of note passing during the session and then put this field around it so that when anybody like walked up to her, they're just like, there's something wrong, but they don't say that it's just subtle. There's something wrong. And I'm, I'm going to cross the street and walk the other way. And like we had to find her. She disappeared because she walked off and like we found her and we couldn't get near her. We couldn't approach her because we would like get to her, have to make these conviction rolls. We blow it. And then we'd like go running away. Like what is wrong? But we couldn't get her attention to drop the book because she was ensorcelled by the spell. And she was reading this evil book. Stuff happens, stuff happens, stuff happens. We solve that problem, free her. And then she's like, my father did what to me sort of thing. And it's just like anything he had to offer was tempting. But when she found that out, no, he is the scum. And like, she's, she's like, Oh my God, I'm going, she's looking at Wayne. She's like, Wayne, I'm going to have to kill my father. Now, why did you do this? And now I have to kill my father. We're like, no, 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 honey. If you kill your father, it'll break all the, cause she's a sorceress. It'll break all these laws of magic. We'll kill your father. Or you. I mean, he's he's a dumpster fire. We'll take. Oh, but she. And we tell her this. Right. She's like, oh no no no. You don't understand. I have to kill my father. And and then I like ask like, what do you mean like some magic curse? No, it's personal. I must kill my yeah. father. And it's well, like, I well, and it was another one of those cases in this scene. Sometimes I love dice. I roll horribly. Everyone knows that. But. In this case, I wasn't the one rolling the dice. Right. The scene, Beth's character makes it up to Don's character. You expected someone just to make the roll and go yeah. up and then deal with it, and it's going to be a really tiny because short scene. Because Beth is rolling her, I think it was her presence. Empathy. Present, yeah, her it was hand. something that she's really good at. So I'm like, okay, she's going to knock this out of the park. Dawn is rolling her conviction, which is something she's really good at. She's probably going to knock it out of the park. One of them rolled a, like a two, and the other got a negative. So for their interactions, instead of Russ tried to get up to yeah. her three times, blew the dice yeah. rolls each time. Instead of you've gotten through to her, I look at Dawn and say, that bitch wants to steal your book. <laughs> <laughs> I think that bitch wants to steal your man. And it was one of those things where the scene, I thought it was just about to end, and suddenly it becomes even more tense. So have you talked to Sarah about the game session and about the impact that it had on her as the player? And how to maintain that momentum or that level of investment or buy-in? Not yet. I 
plan on saying something. I, say, I, I think if I was in your shoes, I think what I would do is I would ease up for a session mm-hmm. to kind of see where yeah. things settle, yeah. partially to take the pressure off, partially to let her process it, yeah. but also so you can see how she's processing it and then reapproach it. There isn't a- well, my plan right at the moment, my plan is to present the opportunities for Beth's character to continue the bond that Beth's character started with her. Right. They already written have a bond, but it never really played out right. until that moment. Because she never needs Beth's help. Right. She never needs anyone's help. And now she does. Now she does. And now that NPC talks to Beth's character, but not hers. Right. I plan on making sure that they have that opportunity. I may talk to Beth ahead of time. Yeah. And tell her, hey, this is what I'm kind of going for. I mean, I the way I look at I mean, I'm not running the game, but if I was running the game, the way I'd look at it is it, it's a it's a very careful balancing act. Yeah. I mean, if if you were doing this for me, hell, I I I happily give you GMing notes. I happily tell you where my character's at, where I'm at, and you know, I, I try and see what you're playing to and I try to play my character up to that and back away from it. But Sarah's not like that. And she is still a fairly new player. And she is. She is a very, very new player. And her how she has fun is not what happened on Sunday. If I were to talk to her, I would say, listen, I know that was out of your comfort zone, but I want to remind you of something. You got really angry, but you were smiling the whole time. Yeah. You were smiling and laughing, and you had fun. And she got more into character than yes. I ever I've seen her get into characters a few times in mm-hmm. other games. She got more into this character and that section than I've ever For seen. For about as long as I've been GMing, I have been a big fan of asking the players to tell me what it is, both individually as characters and then as the group, good old group template, of what is it that motivates you? You know, what are the sorts of things that you're interested in or whatever? And then I may even specifically ask, give me a few unresolved items in your past that I can work into the plot. And these can be shared items with other players or characters, and they can also be things that are just individual to you. But look at that and say, you know, give me a few things that I can work with if I want to, to tie this all together. But Wayne, I think that to put a bow on this story is there was a D&D game that I was running some years back and there was a woman who was playing in the group and this to the best of my recollection was literally her first role-playing game ever so she wasn't just a new player she was a capital n-e-w she's a nude player nude yes <laughs> no this she was a, suddenly i would have played his old games <laughs> she was brand new to role play never played before well she was familiar with general fantasy tropes, and we were playing D&D, so that worked out well. And she also had, I, I, it was hard to tell how serious she was about it, but she at least had some background sort of flirting with Wicca and witchcraft and things like that. So she gave me some elements from that, and I tried to work that into the character and, and give her a, a character class that would mm-hmm. allow her to sort of, you know, have some ideas that she's, able to relate to pretty quickly. Now, what came up in the game that I had not planned was her response to a particular NPC. 
because in all the things that she had told me about her character, there was one thing that never came out because it was more true of the player than it was the character. I didn't know this until it happened. There was a little girl in the story, and it is supposed to be clear from the outset. This is a girl who's like five, maybe six years old. Oh, she's got to be a big bad. No, she, she wasn't. But it was clear from the outset that something with this girl was definitely not right. Now, she's, yeah. she's, she's a little girl in a fantasy setting. Something <laughs> has got to not be right. Well, it's no, just it's, like an old man in a fantasy it's setting. Like, it's like Men in Black. Why did she shoot the little girl? It's like, well, you know, she was in the middle of the hood, in the middle of the night. And she's carrying physics books that are way over her grade level. Yeah. <laughs> obviously something going on. <laughs> and, you know, no, it was, it was a game wherein they were dealing with a lot of the common folk who were of every age, old, young, whatever, and the vast majority, all of them, minus one, were normal people, right? But it was pretty clear this one girl had something about her that was off, but they didn't know the details of what. Of course, uncovering what, it was not the plot, but it was a a major part of the plot. It was going to get them ahead quite a bit. And she very quickly started mothering this girl, despite all of her quirks and all the things that were wrong with her. And the fact that she clearly wasn't ordinary, she immediately developed a maternal... Is Jason's wife? Yes. I know the story now. She very quickly developed a maternal impulse towards this little girl, and it changed where I was going with mm-hmm. that story, because that girl was... Completely changed. It. Yes, because yeah. that girl's story was supposed to end in one way. In the, in the actual telling of the story, as I had it written in my game notes, my What's Really Going On document, is this girl, while she's not fully intellectually cognizant of what she is, it, the same way that a human child has to develop language skills and object permanence and all this stuff, she was not fully conscious of what she was but she was actually a nascent power for good, not evil. But the things that she was seeing, the things that she was aware of, made her act like she was really, it always looked suspicious. It always looked like she was something much more uh, evil or much more sinister, when in truth she wasn't. And what was supposed to happen is one of the greater evils in the game, not the big bad, but a big bad, that did know exactly what she was, was going to kill her in a horrific fashion to try and, one, get her out of the picture, and two, rob the power from her before she blossomed into the mature form of the good that she was supposed to become. And it was going to be a very intentionally shocking and graphic scene. Now, when I was designing that scene and thinking about the people I meant it for originally, I knew that the nature of the scene, it would shock them, it would get their attention, it would definitely send a message about how serious evil was about these subjects, and kind of like, okay, we've gotten into something deep. But now suddenly I realize that, on the one hand, I've got a problem, because if I do this, I'm going to freak a player out. This would be like how Pat would respond to violence against children. I have to dial this back for the player's sake, but, and this is to your success, it did also give me the opportunity to realize that I now had something to draw a player 
who had never role played before, she couldn't tell me what would interest her because she didn't know. And in all fairness, she had no way of knowing what would interest her in an RPG. And now all of a sudden I found something. And so I had to completely change up who that girl was, what her story was supposed to be, how that story ends. But it gave me a wonderful ability to affect that character vis-a-vis, to use a Johnism, <laughs> the concern that the player had about the NPC. It allowed me to hit, you know, that fuzzy spot between the in-character and the out-of-character such that it reflected back into the game world. And so I, I think, I mean, that's, that's a great bit of advice for this show is that fuzzy space, it's my experience, it tends to cause more problems than it does help. Yeah, but if you do it all the time, you're a dick. Right. <laughs> well, and a lot of times the lack of space between a player and a character causes all kinds of metagame issues and social issues and butt hurt and all this other stuff that, you know, it's not good, right? But this is an opportunity, if done right, to actually get a player to start paying more attention to the needs and the motivations and the mechanisms of their character and so kudos to you wayne for pulling that off so successfully i just hope i can follow up on it yeah and that's my concern you know we use issues like problems issues concerns dangerous dangerous yeah this is dangerous Wayne. this is uh this is people having fun and sarah is having fun and we are all having fun this is not a problem it's not an issue it certainly isn't dangerous until Wayne just breaks all of our hearts into little pieces. <laughs> oh, I have a seed in mind. The dog would throw things at me. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh, but the, the only thought I have is I believe Sarah enjoyed that. I believe it was something different for her as a player. She was throwing marshmallows at me, not something hard. So it can't be that bad. Right. And... I believe it was good for the entire group and good for her character. Just Yeah, but aren't you diabetic? She was literally trying to kill you. <laughs> she didn't want me to eat them. She was actually throwing them at my face. Yeah. <laughs> your face, which is where your mouth is. I know. That's, that's... Wait, all right. Wait, we're, between shows, we're going to give you a very high-level like biology lesson. <laughs> Human anatomy, just so you understand. Yeah, we are. <laughs> where food goes. Yep. Food. How yeah. it gets pushed in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of options for where food goes. So, but like I was saying, I, I'm just, uh, I just hope that she can, and you can, and we can keep that momentum yeah. going in the game. Cool. Sounds interesting, and we'll keep tabs on this as it develops. Uh, I think we're going to be on some other topics for a couple of weeks because we've actually got some guests coming on the show. What? Yeah. So, as no one tells me these things, I actually haven't told anyone these things. <laughs> oh, good. I just didn't. Forget. It's not just you. I'm. I don't know why I'm playing my cards close to the chest? There's nothing <laughs> salacious about this. As for you guys at home, have a great week and great games. I guess I need to brief my fellow hosts, <laughs> and we will catch you guys next time. Son of a bitch. (laughs) This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. 
Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.